You're listening to Just You, a podcast where people speak openly about their stories, revealing the profound impacts that narratives have on shaping our lives. Each episode, join me in exploring the concept of storytelling while we broaden our understanding of the art of personal narrative. Together, we'll have honest conversations, reveal how stories shape our lives, and perhaps discover hidden reflections of our stories along the way. With me, Janika Galloway, as your host, it's time to be Just You. Some people may have experienced this where going into those jobs, say, or those situations in your life where you just inherently know you've evolved beyond it and it's time, it starts to become very difficult to pretend. Hi, storytellers. This is Just You. I'm your host, Janinka Galloway, and my guest today is Alison Rice. And Alison really knows the power of her own voice. It's so evident to me. It's actually what drew me into her the first time that I heard her speak on her podcast offline, and it eventually led me into her community. And we're going to dive into what prompted her to take a big leap and truly start reconnecting to her true journey at what was considered the height of her career in the Australian media landscape and also how it's been playing out for her ever since. If you identify as a working professional, so if you have a career or a business brand, or maybe you're even just thinking about leaving your job to start your own journey, then you will no doubt connect with Alison and her story. Let's explore it together. Can I take a pause for us before we begin just to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I join you on this sunny, what day is it, Tuesday morning after the long weekend. For me, it's the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I just want to pay my respects to their elders, past and present. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So, Alison, what did your life look like before your offline life? It was, um, it was so full that I couldn't see the way. (laughs) Um, I was working in a very demanding group publisher role for some women's lifestyle websites I absolutely adored. Three of them I launched in this country. One I had worked on as an assistant all the way through to publisher. So it was like my baby (laughs) Um, and had helped to kind of really thoughtfully scale that. But the role itself was leaving no other room for me to be expressed in other areas of my life. It was 6 a.m. calls with our partners in the U.S. sometimes or in the U.K. It was me on Slack, basically from the moment I opened my eyes, sort of directing content and editors and talking to the commercial team. And then I just kind of progressively worked all the way into the office on my commute. So whether that was on calls in the Mm -hmm. car or if I was on public transport answering emails and Slack messages, and then it just didn't stop. And to be honest, before offline and this work and how I'm in my work now, I was kind of predominantly fueled by coffee. I used to have a long black with a dash. (laughs) I stopped drinking coffee when I left that job, actually. I realized I didn't really like it. It was just habit, sort of part of that, of course, and part of that kind of um, what it looked like Mm. to be in those rooms and what we did and how we behaved and kind of what we put our nervous systems through. 
um, very little sleep. And I think that prepared me actually beautifully for the postpartum period (laughs) because I remember my little girl's two and a half now, but in those early kind of first six months, it was a real remembering for me. I was like, I've, my system's been here before. Like I've actually operated here before. And there was this very eerie sense of it being quite familiar and probably not a very healthy way. Um, but yes, a lack of sleep and then kind of falling into the front door at seven or eight o'clock at night, having that glass of red wine to try and kind of diffuse. So as you can see, just no real um, natural coping mechanisms or I didn't have any tools or techniques. It was all kind of the external I was bringing internal to try and balance myself out. Um, Lots of work on weekends. I used to work on holidays and share all this really honestly to, you know, for anyone listening who's like, yeah, that's me. That feels like me or that might resonate. Um, It's the honest truth. And it was in the identifying of how I was living that led me out the door of what was actually truly my dream job. Like I really loved that job and I was so proud to be in that role. Um, So it was very hard to leave, but I just knew that it wasn't sustainable. And I suppose how I'd been in the role and in the business for that kind of seven or eight years, it would be very hard for me to all of a sudden change because there was a lot of expectations that I'd set yeah, um, about how I would sort of behave and endure and perform in the role. So very different to the morning I just described to you. Mm, very different, <laughs> different yeah. notions completely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think there really is that point where, you know, we have these narratives that we set for ourselves that we think will make us happy. And they do to a certain degree, right? You mentioned you loved that job and there was aspects of it that you were so proud of, but there is also that connection to what truly is the story that we're supposed to be living. And that story that really aligns with who we truly are, that I think pokes its little head in Mm -hmm. when you're listening or when you're watching And it kind of says, don't forget about me. (laughs) And that's exactly how it was for me. It was, I think, a very slow burn of knowing. And then the last 12 months, a lot of um, discomfort in the body, in the spirit, Mm. Um, very emotional in a time where I had been very in, quote, unquote, control. Yeah. Um, and it was that kind of last year that, you know, that voice, as you say, and that kind of prod and that poke became so loud that it was actually impossible to ignore. And some people may have experienced this where going into those jobs, say, or those situations in your life where you just inherently know you've evolved beyond it and it's time, it starts to become very difficult to pretend or every day to try and forget what you've realized. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) It is. And you have to work very hard at pushing it down and suppressing it. And that was kind of where it tipped for me was I had to work a lot harder to be that person that I no longer identified as. Um, And then the 
the Allison that I was kind of evolving and rising into as we do, um, she didn't fit there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I knew that I wasn't going to try and kind of bring that part of me into that environment. Also, I think protection. Mm. I just didn't feel like that environment was um, safe for me to to bring it. I don't think it would have been supported or held in the ways that it needed to be in order for me to really kind of flourish and and grow ultimately for that kind of beautiful soul evolution. So very hard to leave though, like especially at a time when digital media was really just, like this is 2018, so we were really just coming into our own and I'd really done the hard yards from sort of 2012, all the disbelievers, you know, all of the money not moving from magazines and all this stuff. It was really starting to kind of gain momentum and I had one of those jobs where people in the industry were like, what are you doing? Why are you leaving? I'm like, fuck. I, I was going to ask that, what their, <laughs> you know, thoughts and what they were saying to you in that period of your life where they just like, what's going on? Did they notice a shift and a change in you or had those closest to you always sort of known that this was coming as part mm. of your story? That's a good question. I would say my my beautiful 2IC at the time, who's now wonderfully gone on to run these brands herself um, out of a different publisher, um, I think she knew. I think she saw my my kind of zest Um diminish and my light start to kind of dim over time. I think she could see I was tired. Mm -hmm. And I would also say, I can't speak on behalf of the team. I don't really know how they received me in that time because I was so in it myself. Um, But I would say a lot of the strategy I was writing for us was reflective of my internal state and my desire to want to do good. Um, and try and use those platforms for better, but that didn't align with the commercial model that we were operating under, which was, as it still is, I think, in many um, regards, reach. Um, And the more people you can reach, the more money you can make because the advertisers will pay more. And so creating, you know, this beautiful storytelling and this deep and rich content and trying to have that real uh, meaningful social impact through content um, that wasn't resonating necessarily with mass, the mass audience. Right. So that content was deemed to be unsuccessful, if that makes sense. And in, in our hearts, it was, it was extremely successful and relevant and needed, but it just didn't stack up commercially. And so as a publisher, that's kind of your, your remit, right. You're responsible for, making the monies. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. um yeah, so I would say probably those closest to me knew that I was having that real kind of um tug from the heartstrings and then having to be pulled back into those kind of commercial meetings and those sales meetings where they were needing something else from mm. me and my creativity and my leadership. And it was that the willingness to give it um went away. And so Yeah. And then other people outside the business, you know, I had some people wanting to know if they could have my job, you know, that was really hard. Like who's going to replace you? What's it going to look like? And can I get an intro to your CEO? And this is very triggering for me. I was like, oh God, Mm. what am I doing? But again, that knowing of like, this ain't going to go away. This is no longer for you. And you did really good 
work and you can be really proud of all that you gave and all that you did, especially on the leadership side towards the last maybe three years in that role. I'm really proud of how I stepped up as a leader and who I was to a lot of the women in, in our team. Um, yeah. And then just that external noise of where are you going? Do you have another job? I think one of the hardest responses was, Oh, we can't wait to see what job you're going to land into. It must be a big secret. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, there's no job. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no announcement. There's nothing, you know, apart from the podcast. And I kept trying to kind of redirect those conversations like, well, I am doing something. I'm launching what I think is going to be a really meaningful piece of work. Um, and that will probably grow into a body of work. But at that time, the measure of success really was what's the next title you're going to get and where are you going to be and how influential will you be? And it's that real kind of power play in media if they want to place you. Yeah, keep so you they in their know, repertoire. Exactly. Mm. How connected mm. should I stay to you because I need to know how you're going to be able to help me yes. and how I can benefit from you in the next role. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> it was a really, really hard time. And I share this really honestly within my own community and my work because I talk a lot about leaping and landing mm. And when you land, you listen and you see what's there for you, but it's the, that step out into the unknown. That's very shaky. It's oh very goodness. difficult. Yeah. I've got goosebumps because I completely agree. And it is something that you just, when you're in that state of being uncomfortable, like we mentioned in the beginning, when it feels uncomfortable to be in those spaces, I find that it's almost like you start to manifest it in like a physical form or you feel like some sort of discomfort in your body that's just pushing you off the cliff of like you need to jump, mm -hmm. like you need to go, right? It's so true. It's almost, well, it is undeniable, isn't it? And I think especially for women, um, it's learning that we can trust that force that we're feeling that's just giving us these nudges forward and not letting the thinking mind and the intellect get too involved because it's always going to be the part of us that's like, well, this isn't responsible. This doesn't feel like a logical strategic move for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's all this going to mean? And we need to have a plan. And I, yeah, I, I don't like to gender things too much, but I do think in particular for women, um, it's very important for us to learn that that feeling in the body, that sense of, um, I don't know what it is. It's like what you said. It's almost like you're just this gentle push, push, mm -hmm. that that's very real. And that is actually creative intelligence coursing through us and saying this way now, this way now, yeah. um, and just surrender, you know, but it's, difficult to surrender within a system that wants us to have a plan and to be very productive. And so you did surrender in 2018. You did <laughs> follow the nudges. Do you want to mm -hmm. take us through what the, I guess I want to call it a story too, because I believe what you've created is a narrative that is so special and is helping so many different people connect with this conscious leader in them to take leadership in their own life and follow their purpose. Do you want to just introduce us to offline and 
what that journey was for you and starting in 2018 and coming mm-hmm. through to now. Of course, I would love to. And I want to thank you so much for just that reflection and, and the encouragement because five years in, I am not exempt from needing to hear that, you know, to keep us in that kind of um, that true self-work. Yeah. It's so important and we really do reconnect to it multiple times in our life. I think it's that constant state of reconnecting and intention setting and remembering what story are we living and Mm. why are we living it and does it feel real and Mm -hmm. true. So offline, um, it really started out of an observation that I had within the network I was in at the time. And there's a lot of women of influence, people of influence, influencers that I was having really private conversations with through the titles I was running and just that general kind of women's lifestyle media community, Um, spending a lot of time with them, really realizing, oh my goodness, there is such a big um, expansive distance between who you really are and what you're presenting to us online. And I think that this is actually for everyone, not just influencers. It's just that theirs happens to be more, I suppose, at scale in the sense of this is how they monetize themselves and build these beautiful careers. But all of us on some level are kind of being this kind of architect of who we, who we present ourselves to be. Um, And I suppose I realized that in that, um, they were wanting, not all of them, but some were wanting a safe space to be able to bring that true self forward and feel held and supported in doing that. Um, but the whole kind of idea behind offline is who are we outside of these social media followings and these job titles and how much money we earn and everything that we've acquired in our lives who are we outside of that? And when we're sitting in our true self, in our essence, and sort of, I suppose, identifying from that more consciousness state, um, not only who are we, but what are we? And when we understand what we are, how does that then um, reorient us, I guess, <laughs> yeah. in, our, in, in our lives and changes the overall storyline um, of our lives? So... Um, life on the other side of the filter was kind of the idea. And in 2018, one thing I wanted to say is women's lifestyle content was still extremely polished, highly stylized. There was lots of like jingles and, you know, polished imagery and for like podcasting, I mean, it was very sing-songy. It was very upbeat. It was still very girl boss era, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and it was kind of coming off the back of, of that time. And so when I was producing and creating offline, I was very sure that I wanted it to feel um, raw and honest. And I'm really proud to say I was one of the first out there with that type of language. And I think it really um, kind of surprised and delighted people that they were getting the truth in a world where all they'd been receiving was a really edited, curated version of what somebody wanted the truth to be. And so it was very emotional. I think it was slower. I mean, you can tell by how I talk, but 
even then I used to speak a lot faster than I do now. Um, I think, yeah, that kind of that pace shocked people a bit where it's like, oh, I'm being invited to sort of be present here. This isn't a multitasking habit stacking experience. Yeah. This is somebody who, yeah, even from like the use of um, sound in my podcast of a door opening oh, a I real <laughs> invitation to kind of step inside. There's kind of um, these kind of crickets or cicadas or however you want to describe them in the background mm. of some parts and wanting you to kind of get on the back porch and, and lean back and and listen and really be present in the conversation with us because there's a lot there if you're really willing to um, gift us your presence in it and you'll hear a lot more than if it's one of those ones where, you know, there's many podcasts I listen to too where it's like I'm listening and I'm doing something else. That's kind of the type of podcast yeah. is. I have been really sure from the beginning and I'm like 110 episodes in now five years that it's not that it'll never be that and um you know all of the strategists and marketing gurus who say 35 minutes 45 minutes is the ideal I've never listened to any of that I'm like the conversation goes for as long as the conversation goes and um they're mostly unedited so I don't really touch them um, unless there's something I really sense the guest wasn't a hundred percent comfortable sharing. I'll just remove that before they even remember that they said it sometimes, especially with some of the bigger influences, if they spoke about money, um, I adore the honesty, but I just know that that exposes them in a way that might make them unsafe. So I take that stuff out. Um, but yeah, so the podcast really was a bridge into, but only now do I know this, right? I didn't know this at the time. I was just following the call. Um, yeah. But it it was a bridge into what is now a, a very um, beautiful, evolving body of work centered around this idea of um, closing the gap between what we do and what we give and how we give it and the truth of kind of what we are in our work <laughs> um, <clears throat> and our careers Um there was definitely a, a small part of me that still thought I'd probably get a job, that I would do this podcast for a season or two, and then I would get back into a kind of a senior media role. And it just didn't happen. And this keeps happening to me, by the way, over five years. Um, those doors don't open for me. And I know that that is because nature is wanting to have this experience through me and that this is my life's work. One of the pieces that I connected with deeply in that was how you said when you were trying to go through these doors, you were noticing that they were not opening for you and that your life was almost ushering you in a direction of, no, 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 this is, this is the truth for you. And I think that that is a piece that all of us can count on in our life where we've experienced really wanting something or thinking that it's a particular story for us and then it just will not happen and then in hindsight you're like of course that didn't happen that would not have worked for yes. me right it's so true and I part of the advice I give you know in my work as a kind of career mentor a business mentor and in my kind of more closed community spaces is if you want to know how aligned you are, 
is to look at the degree of friction in your existence. And that is actually the indicator. If you're experiencing a lot of friction, um, discomfort, if you're feeling like you have to overextend, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, by the way. It's just that kind of being discerning with how much are we continuing to sort of quote unquote, put ourselves out there, trying, pushing, strategizing, and it's just not feeling that ease and flow and not gaining that momentum. That is how I would sort of identify friction. And we have to acknowledge that and accept it and go, not here. Okay. But this is great because if it's not here, then it's another way. And so time to place my awareness and my energy and my attention somewhere else, but it's really about um, the deeper we can listen. So this requires us to get very still, very hard. (laughs) It's so hard to get still today, to get quiet today. Our brains are so wired to stimulation and wanting to busy ourselves all the time and wanting to be productive. Even when we're resting, we're wanting our rest to be Mm. productive like that um, book, I know it's helped so many people, but I think it's problematic, Mm -hmm. Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's kind of telling us to lose presence all the time by stacking habits on top of each other. Um, So just one example, but the hardest thing is getting still and getting quiet, but it is there that we hear where to and how and when and how is it expressed and how we're going to be in it. Um, I always talk about this with meditating. I think so many of us know this. Meditating is easy. (laughs) You know, meditating is beautiful. Sitting down to meditate is what's hard. And for anyone listening who's like, meditating's hard, (laughs) you know, I don't have that experience at all. What I want to invite you into is just a remembering that it is okay to think when you're meditating and I want you to think about the thoughts as a stress release, as a release. And if you can get consistent five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, eventually you will have thought all the thoughts and you will find that transcendence and that stillness, but we have to do a bit of a purge. So I always say when you're trying to begin establishing a meditation practice, I did this. I still do this some days when it's busy for me. I'm like, let's have it. Let's have every thought you've ever had, Alison. Let's go. If this whole 20 minutes is just you thinking about your to-do list and worrying about the future, then go for it. (laughs) Because this, we need released. Um, We need to purify the system so that we can stabilize the system. And then after we've stabilized the system, we start to increase this thing called adaptation energy and It's that energy that we use to go and do and take action and create and respond to the material that we're exposed to in our lives. So we don't ever lose that baseline state of stability because we're just taken from the top. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to add that because I know people go, I can't meditate. And it's like, but you can think. So if you can think, you can eventually find that stillness. Yes. I have a little notebook that I keep beside my bed. It's my emergency notebook. If I 
haven't meditated that day or I'm finding that I get into bed and my thoughts are all over the place and I can't sleep, I just write every (laughs) single silly, good, ridiculous thought that I've got Uh, down and even like to-do list, like every thought and get it on this notebook piece of paper and then I just go to sleep Mm -hmm. it helps me so much so beautiful and they're funny when you write them down you're like oh my god (laughs) yeah what are you stressing about that for (laughs) or like even just with to-dos for things that are like months away for me it's like okay don't forget you know aunt blah blah's present at this yeah it's like that's (laughs) in november it is june janika (laughs) see how the mind just wants to stay in control it wants to stay engaged it wants to be driving all the time and it's one of the most powerful things we can do is reclaim that um, and start existing from that essence felt kind of more body level Um, so yeah one of the things that you also noted was how you speak and your voice and that is one piece that I was really hoping we could touch on because I adore your voice. The sound of your voice is so soothing. And I remember I signed up to your emails and your email list. And one of the first ways that you interacted was through a voice memo that came through. And Mm. it was just to your point of not being gimmicky or salesy or um, basically just like really anchoring you back into the present moment. I completely agree that that is exactly Mm. what your voice does and it has the power to do. And storytelling can be in so many different formats and the voice is one of those formats that we can use to share our story and connect with people through narratives. And I wanted to ask you, did you always know that your voice sort of held this power within you? No, and that has been one of the key things I've made contact with in the last five years is what is my transmission? Because I love writing and I've won awards for writing. I'm a good writer Mm. and I've always identified as a writer. So for me, it's always been about the written word and telling stories through writing them. And I came into this chapter of my career believing that also. But having this deep interest in um, audio as a through way to the truth and storytelling through this medium, and I was a huge This American Life fan. I found Ira Glass in like 2010, maybe 2009, <laughs> um, and he is the the creator of kind of radio storytelling and um, if you if anybody's interested to look him up and and look up um, This American Life, listen to This American Life, it's a really incredible example of how you can take a listener on a journey with you through the power of storytelling. And so I was coming out of that job and this thing called podcasting in 2018 doesn't feel like that long ago it was still relatively new. yeah. And I remember when I was leaving the job, I had so many people say, oh, what's a podcast? Yeah. Like, what is that? And, you know, so this is kind of interesting to think how far we've come in such a short amount of time with this medium. But because I'd had that sort of relationship with This American Life and that love, like literally 
Ira Glass is my like crush. <laughs> of all the celebrity crushes, my husband's like, yeah, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. You can have that one. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you can have, yeah, have fun. Um, because I'd had that, I had this interest in this medium. And so this felt like a real creative stretch for me is I could write till my heart's content. You know, I could write and write and write and write, but was there kind of creative not growth there for me, but I suppose creative evolution there for me as I step into the next expression of my work. And I was like, yeah, I, I think this podcasting thing could be really interesting and this idea of kind of a sonic brand and audio. And if you listen to the first season, maybe even the second season, I'm on season eight now, you can hear me slow down as I kind of go. And this was me um, through the guidance and help of the audience and the community um, telling me and reflecting back to me that my voice made them feel something in their body and allowed them to um, move into a sort of presence that they couldn't ordinarily access. Me listening to that is why it's so important for us to always be giving creatives and creatives creators as much feedback as we can just to help them on their way because oftentimes, and you might have this, we just feel like we're kind of sending it out into the ether. It's like, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. Is anyone yeah. there? Is anyone listening? Um, so really important for us to um, really identify our role when being in relationship with a creator and part of um, the fuel for us, which I'm sure you can agree, is when somebody reflects back to you something about what you said, how you said it, the tone of your voice, the pace of your voice, the music that you use. These are all incredible cues for us that we're mm. keep going. You're on the right path, but dig in a little bit more here. And the voice thing for me was the one where I was like, oh yeah, like I'd led for years and years and years. All I did all day in my job was speak mm. and present. And so I had developed, I think, um, a confidence and an ability to be able to um, quickly articulate myself. But then it was making that true. I think that was the kind of big change for me as I kind of developed in my own sort of creativity and expression was I could say all the shiny buzzwords and, you know, put together kind of really compelling sentences and statements. But then it was about, okay, now if I start to speak mm. the truth, do I still feel that sense of kind of confidence and conviction when it's not something that's well rehearsed that I've said like a thousand times before? Um, but I had a belief when I started, I remember I did like a unit of like radio journalism at uni and I remember thinking, oh, I hate my voice. Oh my God, it's so monotone. It's so deep. It's like, and my teacher was like, you need more inflection. Like everyone's going to fall asleep. And I was thinking, oh. and you know, like talk about stories that imprint themselves and embed into yes. the psyche of like, okay, now I have a belief that I'm too monotone and that my voice is too deep. Um, so I had to challenge that for myself. It's like, okay, well, there's thousands of people who are telling me differently. And I actually fell in love with my voice through the podcast and just had that real moment of contact that this is actually my true transmission and my ability to be mm -hmm. able to um, write the way I speak 
is what makes my writing true and beautiful and I think good (laughs) um, and expressed. But it always started with the voice. It's just the voice in my head that then got written down onto the page or typed out. So um, that's one thing I always encourage any of my kind of students or clients or community members a big part of my methodology is identifying your unique transmission and then trying to kind of build and cultivate a career that allows you to express that fully again and again and again, because you will start to feel like you're being denied of that at a point. And then we move into that sense of, I suppose it's resentment, um, that we're not being heard or fully seen yeah. um, or valued. So yeah, so the voice is big for me. But honestly, sometimes still I'm like, oops, speed it up, Alison, because I can speak quite slow. And like when I'm voice coaching inside my professional development membership, you know, it's so funny when I um, kind of co-created it, it was like, you know, five to 10 minute voice coaching responses. Me, I'm like 30 minutes <laughs> in. Still going. <laughs> still going. Um, but I have had feedback cause I've asked, I've done a survey recently of like, do we like the length or is it like I'm producing basically three podcasts a day <laughs> you know? <laughs> and everyone says they, or a lot of people have said they really love the length and to put it on when they're in the car and listen to the responses. Cause they all go into a shared, um, WhatsApp group. Yeah. So everyone can listen to the response to somebody's question, but, um, but yeah, so some days I'm like, okay, well, maybe the 35 minutes was a bit long. We probably could have made that one 15. <laughs> so there are obviously a lot of different types of clients that you work with and the work that you do is phenomenal. So I would love to just hear how you're currently working with clients and where your story's taking you at the moment. Mm, it's a beautiful time for me to share because I've gone through, I think, a big season of transition myself. Um, I suppose developing the plot line (laughs) in my own kind of, um, the overall storyline of my life, but also my professional story and expression. Um, the podcast did this beautiful thing where it allowed me to share what I've learned and what I know in conversation. And that led people to reach out to me and say, Hey, would you ever do a one-on-one with me or can we grab a coffee? And I did do some coffees in the beginning and then I thought, oh, no, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to need to receive some something in exchange for our time. And so then I developed a one-on-one kind of coaching offering and did that for a couple of years and it was wonderful. At one point I had a three-month wait list, which was just beyond my wildest dreams, but I realised that that served almost no one. <laughs> And um, knowing that, you know, the methodology I've created and this body of work, I really wanted to reach and help as many people as possible. So that sort of um, time, like one hour in exchange for money, one person thing was beautiful for a time. I think it allowed me to feel deeper into kind of my role um, for Mm. people, but then it sort of became, okay, well, there is a community here. So developing that. So the coaching, um, I took some time off to then have my beautiful babe. Yeah. And spend, you know, that first year, um, almost that first year, very present with her and then set about developing what is now called off, which is a professional development space for the consciously ambitious is how I talk about it. Mm. 
And really it is for anyone who identifies as a professional, whether you're inside a workplace, building your career, whether you're thinking about leaving to start something, whether you're actively kind of growing your own brand or business. And it's the place that we just can return to when we're in season. So every season's four months and I run two a year, somewhere you can sort of land and recover and redefine the role that your work plays in your life or the impact that you want your brand to have on the world or your business to have on the world. And it's where we come just to keep making very consistent contact with our true self and then allowing that to be the way that we um, move in our work and create and lead and achieve, I suppose. And that's been so... (laughs) oh my God, wildly fulfilling, like, you know, to co-create community in that way. And I I call them co-creators. They're not members of a membership. It's a seasonal space where we come together and we, um, we hold it up together. And it's such a pleasure, honestly, and an honor to lead them and guide them. And recently, um, I, have been feeling into what else. Um, And, you know, any parent or mother will identify with this. There comes a point where you acknowledge that you have more time and more space available to serve in other places. You know, Betty's two and a half, very kind of independent, walking, talking, feeding herself. And so remaining steady with her and, helping her develop her own sense of individuality and giving her that guidance, but knowing that I've got more time now than I did before to serve my community. So I've just launched some one-on-one offerings again, which is so cool to be back in that environment. So I'm doing um, one-on-one career mentoring sessions, got a couple of those a week. I'm doing brand strategy, um, personal brand strategy, that's yeah a need um community development offer design so for people who want to build something similar to what I've built especially on the kind of more community side helping you build Mm -hmm. out your your offerings and your products and your services and I also have a really beautiful leadership intensive which is what I'm calling a close proximity mentorship where it's us together in it for a month in the depths of it all um, oh yeah, getting with yeah. it. Yeah, and I think it requires that at that leadership level is you need someone quite steady by your side um, in that kind of short space of time. So that is um, like weekly sessions plus voice coaching on the go. And I've got, I think, capacity for one or two of those a month. So this is all, I think literally you're the first person that's properly hearing about them. I'm oh, still kind amazing. of building them out, but I'm more or less ready to go so um and of course the the beautiful podcast remains and is a mainstay and I'm publishing just nice monthly just really like one beautiful connected conversation a month um so it's all feeling it's all feeling really yeah. good and I'm just excited actually to get back on that um into that one-on-one environment well it's a lot of pieces of the puzzle but I think it's really beautiful that you take the time to connect and see what's what's calling you and what's feeling like it's a right fit for the moment yeah and also and this is such a big thread within my work is um 
responding to the need of the time. And sometimes, oftentimes, we need time to understand what the need is and to really validate that need in different ways before going off and presenting offerings to our communities. So, so much of it is that listening piece and then responding by building out offerings that I know for me meet my community's needs kind of where they're at, but also, and this is kind of the magic bit, is um, alongside the season that suits me and what season I'm in and how much I'm willing to give. I think so much of my work is a very kind of gentle retaliation against the system (laughs) and the systems that we are really trying so bloody hard to thrive and be successful in that um, aren't built for many of us actually. Um, So it's this sort of gentle resistance to to that and to hacking and to tips and tricks and (laughs) like like you said it's how true can I be how expressed can I be how authentic can I be and not everything has to scale like I've had lots of noise recently of people saying well it should be this and you should be making this much money and it should be reaching this many people and Again, it's like, whoa, you know, there's different economies that we can operate in. Yeah. And for the last five years, the economy that I've been operating in is service to my community and feeling into that need and that coinciding with me being able to be a very present mother um, or having, you know, a very present pregnancy Yeah. or whatever it is. Um, So I think it's really important that you are discerning and careful with whose opinion you allow to drive your business. And and that I think is going to be the, the biggest impact I have in my work is helping people discover their own truth mm-hmm. and their own sort of their most authentic way to be in their work, regardless of what the marketing gurus and, you know, shiny branding experts tell you to be, I think, if you're looking to, um, I suppose if you're looking to express authentically and figure out how that could monetize, Mm. I'm probably your girl, but I'm not your girl for million dollar months. (laughs) No. (laughs) um, Because I don't. That's not your job. No, and it also keeps um, us subscribed to and stuck in a system that harms people and shuts people in need out. Um, so I've been exploring a lot of that greed piece <laughs> recently and how much am I um, willing to participate and where is the line? Thank you so much for opening up and giving us space to chat with you today. It's been really, really wonderful. What a pleasure. And just um, to you, reflecting back to you you keep going and keep doing your good work regardless of what it looks like sounds like regardless of the vanity metrics we're told to pay attention to to signal whether we're being successful or not Mm. um because you've touched my heart today and like that's that's it One of the pieces that I adored about our chat was her description of when the poke and the prod became so loud and so forceful that it was impossible to ignore. And 
I feel like I had a really similar feeling when it was time for me to shift the path that I was on and and reconnect to my true path. And it almost becomes just increasingly more uncomfortable the more you try to pretend or resist that change that's happening within yourself or those sort of nudges towards the direction and the story that you're supposed to be on. And that friction, as she calls it, is really telling. It really is. And so I just wanted to add at the end here that if you are experiencing that feeling in your career, you might be curious to review some of those services and communities that she discussed. And the enrollments for her conscious career and business mentoring space is now open. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes should you be interested. Until next time, storytellers.